three will tie it. Hang on, Ottawa, we're coming in for a landing. Hot take, hot box. Who's got the three? Here's MB posting up. He's got Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! We are back again, ladies and gentlemen, two for the price of one. Two episodes in one day. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is the Hot Take Hot Box. Episode 32, I want to say. It is March 5th, 2021. Uh, NBA All-Star Weekend has, I believe, begun. Today would be the first day of it. Last night was the last night of games. We got a lot of action to talk about in regards to what uh, our podcast is uh, focused on, which would be the Philadelphia team's. Sixers, Phils, Eagles, Flyers all have at least something to talk about. Flyers are finally back playing after COVID was whooping their ass. You know, now they actually have like their team back and not playing with a bunch of guys I've never heard of before. Like Lake Tahoe, they were getting beat up by like, you know, with dudes that aren't actually on the team. But you know, why? You know, look at that. One minute in, we've had a Flyers mention, and I guarantee I cashed in on that under. Talk a little bit of Eagles draft. Just, you know, a couple more things that I'm hearing about just what people are talking and, you know, they're, they're just different thought processes or processes on what the Eagles should do with that six pick and what, what you know, what what do you think the Eagles should do for the six pick? What do you think they're going to do and what do you think they should do? Two completely different things. Phil's getting, getting started with spring training. Uh, we'll talk about their what 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 we like, what we don't like, who's impressing us, who's not. They just smoked the Yanks like fifteen nothing last time I checked. People are probably still hitting home runs in that game. Bryce Harper hits a home run in his first at bat of the spring, and the big the big news and the big talk of the town, which would be and should be the Sixers and Joel Embiid's MVP push, and just the the genesis of Ben Simmons's game as a defensive stopper and that just the this duo the taking over and finally living up to a little bit of the potential that we all thought you know like we all thought it could look like this one day and hey it looks phenomenal ben, you know um why don't we start with uh where where we left off which was last thursday we had a nationally televised game on tnt sixers mavericks Sixers win 111 to 97. Big second quarter. It was a close game, 23-22 go at the end of the first quarter. Dominant second quarter. Ben Simmons absolutely clamping up Luka. Put him in the torture chamber. I, that, I mean, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, they, they didn't have Porzingis. It, it, it wasn't like, like, I think we talked about it last week on here. Like, it wasn't like a... The same way we're going to talk about the Jazz game, how that was like a meaningful win against a, a solid, good team. The Mavericks game, that's not the same thing, but it is. It, the big takeaway for me was watching Ben Simmons compete against a player of Luka's caliber. Caliber! And just watching him <clears throat> dominate the uh, dominate the matchup. I mean, if you look at. Let's look at Luka's numbers 19, 3, and 4. Okay. He's 6 of 13. It's pretty average, whatnot. It's seven turnovers, and seven turnovers are big contributing factor. That is the fact that Ben Simmons is lurking around him and just causing havoc at, and making everything that he gets difficult. Everything that he, every bucket that he earns, 
is the most difficult bucket that it can be. And that's all you can do against great players like that. They're going to score. But Ben just makes life so hard for everyone. And it makes our life uh, lives as Sixers fans and uh, the rest of the team as Sixers players that much easier. I mean, that wasn't exactly like a great game from, say, you know, Joel. I mean, it's 23 points. He only played 27 minutes. They didn't have to play a ton because they, they dominated. I mean, Ben's numbers 15, 3, and 7. If you just saw the score, you know, the box score, you would think, oh, wow, like that's just, that's pretty average. He doesn't really do much. But the more you watch these games and the more you see the way he's turned up on the defensive end, I mean, he's always been a. Uh, a, a problem on defense. Uh, I've never doubted that, and I think anyone who's watched the Sixers hasn't doubted that. But you, as a uh, objective observer per se, can't tell me that this year hasn't been different from years in the past. He looks like a more focused and dedicated player on the defensive end, and he just seems like he is more accepting and understanding of what is asked of him in a given game. Or, you know, he understands his role, and he. He does what the team needs and does it to the highest level that he possibly can. And he has absolutely been a big factor for why this team, and it's not only just Joel and it's not just the coach, it is a big, big contributing factor to that would be Ben Simmons and his, the way he has played, uh, you know, the, the way he's played all year long. Not, uh, pretty much after around the, the James Harden trade. I mean, he, I, I, I shouldn't say all year long because the, the beginning of the year was a little rough. He was... Took a little time to, uh, I guess, adjust. There was a problems with aggression and things like that that we talked about on here, but I none of those things have been have been there. And it's you know I again I want to see it in the playoffs, and I I do still think that his game and his play as a, on the offensive end as a point guard it, it it is greatly affected or impaired. I would say during the. During the playoffs, just due to the the half court half court offense and the slowing down of the game, it really seems like it hurts his ability to create, and he's reduced to more of like a post up uh, pick sort of situation, and as opposed to you know an off the dribble creator, which it seems like they have Seth Curry for. Seth Curry run, is running a lot of the offense that they used to run for JJ Redick, but it seems like he runs it more efficiently and with more control. He's able to put the ball on the floor and create afterwards when JJ was kind of either shoot or bad pass or you know there wasn't a lot of uh, an array of options so I mean moving on that that Mavs game that's what I saw I I mean I personally noticed uh, Dwight Howard again just a a great performance Uh, it seems I've seen a lot of Twitter that don't like Dwight you know not that they don't like him but they say that he's real hit or miss I mean that was a hit game for me uh, I remember his impact on the defensive end, just holding his own. I mean, he played a lot, obviously, because Joel didn't have to play. Uh, I mean, the next game was the Saturday night game against the Cavs. It seems like this team struggles against the Cavs. Not, I, I mean, not. I know the earlier in the season that that game they didn't have Joel and Ben didn't exactly play well. It, that I killed him on that on here for that because I thought that you know when game, in games when Joel wasn't playing he he should be the man to take over and just you know I know Tobias is also a player who can do that but it should be if you're gonna be the second best player it should be you and you should be creating for everyone and you know the guys like Garland and uh, Sexton I mean they went off 
they they did go off. They they both I think they both had twenty in the twenties. Yeah, what what are we looking at? Twenty eight and twenty five. Uh, neither was efficient, but it doesn't matter when you get the win. Sixers kind of just seemed like they were coasting. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they first half. I mean, they what do they? They go in the halftime down nine. They force the game to overtime, but waste a, a great performance by Embiid. Simmons had twenty four points. Uh, I mean, it was like the, the, I'll tell you what. It was a frustrating uh, game, just for the fact that you not only should you beat teams like that, but you got good performances from your from your star players, and the reason that you wound up losing because now it's starting to click back into my brain. Now that I see that Seth Curry had it was one for thirteen and one for seven from three. Cork Moss was one for five. I mean, Danny Green hit some threes, but it's like that seems like an Achilles heel. Like one of the Achilles heels of this team is their inability to make the most. Of those, like uh, uh, of the three point opportunities, and the just the when, like, we finally do create the offense. Like, I believe it'll be the Pacers game, and I talk about this next. That the Corkma, like, when like Corkma's had open shots in that Pacers game, and it, and it, like we look like and like we look like the greatest team on earth when guys are just hitting open shots because if they're gonna double Embiid, there will be somebody open, and. He's not always the best at finding that open guy, but he does. He's he's getting better at it, and and in that Pacers game, he did. The Cavaliers game, you know, not it was it's it wasn't the same, you know. I mean, Simmons had seven turnovers, but I, I mean, him attempting seventeen shots is something that I I like to see. I like the I like the aggression, and I think we are a one hundred percent a different team when when he's aggressive. That and I guess we should, you know, that the segue, the Corkmoss segue, should be just have been the segue to the Pacers game. Sixers dominate the Pacers, one thirty, one fourteen. That's a game where you didn't even have to see. That's another second quarter performance where you, you know, and then they came out in the third. I remember, and uh, I, I don't even, I know Joel had a ton of points, uh, just in like uh, like a short span of time. Like he wasn't doing anything in like the first half. And then Brogdon, if I remember correctly, Brogdon dunked on him or like did something like that and pissed him off. And he scored like five, ten, like or like five, seven points, like like that, like like nothing. And it just, it it just was cool to see though. Like that's one of our guys. Like you don't wake him up. Like it, just a game against Indiana in, in the regular season in, in the dead heat of uh, March or yeah, it was the first day of March. Like we're in the middle of the regular season and you know. Don't wake up if he's have not having that kind of night. Don't wake him up, and boy, they woke him up. I mean, he he just twenty four thirteen and five in twenty six minutes. That's just something you now chilling basically. Simmons aggressive 18, 18 points. You know uh, what was the big one? Shake Milton twenty six points. Great performance. Corkmaz it was hitting open shots. I mean, he shot thirteen threes. You know, turnover numbers down, and you see, you know, Ben only has four turn. Like, you know, it's like that. That's the kind of stuff you like to see. Shake Milton still does things that really just frustrate me. I I, I don't understand his his basketball IQ. I don't. It's it's better than mine, obviously, but it seems like he only knows. Like he's such a scorer. He doesn't know how to play point guard. Like it, it only seems like. 
It's like one or two options. It's it's drive or step back three, or like it just score. It's all attacking and offense, and that's good. But if you're gonna play point guard or you're playing like backup point guard, I guess it's not bad when you you're the guy getting buckets. But it, I don't know. <clears throat> it seems like sometimes they ask him to do things that he just can't do. Something simple like say entry pass to the post. He like can't do it. There was a uh, I want to. It might have been the Jazz or the Pacer game where someone was posting up, and it, it seemed like a pretty easy pass. But he waited like three seconds, and then threw this like total fifty fifty lob ball. But I think it was like Mike Scott that was posting up or something. Something stupid. But it's just like I don't know. You're the you're the point guard. You're in you're in the NBA. It doesn't seem like it seems like those passes should not even be in, in the question. Like just lazy lollipop passes shouldn't shouldn't be a thing. It, everything should be with purpose and I I don't know. It just I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm being too hard on rail and a little too hard on shake, but it, it's just something that I it hasn't hurt them yet, but it it it, it just seems to me like it could. And this team has too many uh, possible like uh, I don't I don't know what it, it just it seems like we're counting on too many guys that shouldn't we shouldn't be counting on if that makes any sense our bench guys like Cork like guys like Cork Maz and Shake and Mike Scott they should not we should not be counting on these guys to play important minutes. So it's like let's move on to this jazz game. We win this game, okay? We win the jazz game, and it's a battle throughout the whole game. But like, for example, check out check out like who's getting minutes. All right, you're getting Dwight Howard, Cork Maz, Mike Scott, Thibel, Shake Milton. Those are, those are the guys you're coming off the bench. You got one, two, three, four, five. Okay, you got five guys coming off the bench. You're running a ten man rotation pretty much. Yeah, ten ten man rotation in this game, and this is like your biggest game of the season. You got no Maxi. You know, you know, you sent down Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed's going off in the in the thing, uh, the G League or whatever for the Blue Coats. You're not playing guys like Ferguson that you traded for, whatever. That's fine. But you're counting on. Okay, so you got Mike Scott's playing 15 minutes. That that needs to change, in my opinion. When when I see Mike Scott running out there, I know we like it. To me, I'm just like, oh man, like we we can't we can't do better than this. Like he's not big enough to play center, and he's not quick enough to guard anyone. Uh, to me, he doesn't. He just is such a mediocre player, and he doesn't kill us. But I just I feel like there's some like there's just got to be someone on that buyout market. Or like we're just I, those are like the the things I'm talking about when I say we're missing one to two players that could really just step in here and make a a, a huge difference. Thibault, I'm fine with. He's playing 19 minutes. Shake is basically your sixth. Yeah, he's, he is your sixth man. He's playing 28 minutes. You know, and what's the average in a game? 13 a game, almost 14. That's pretty good. Thibault's coming in, giving you great defensive minutes. No complaints there. Corkmaz is making some threes from time to time, but like I said, it's a real hit or miss. You can't count on him. And. I mean, you can't count on him on a nightly basis, I should say. Living or dying by Cork Moss threes is not the fate I want to see or what what I want to, you know, the, how I want to go out in the playoffs. And, and you know, 
if my bench guys like like Milton and Corkmaz are just are just you know hair on fire creating offense with no thought process, it's either fade like all fadeaway threes or pick and roll dive into the bucket for shake and you know attacking the rim. Which hey man, it works sometimes, but I, I don't I, you know maybe I'm just complaining and it's just just the negative you know side of me. But I just feel like guys like Scott shouldn't be getting minutes. Corkmaz, that's Corkmaz, uh, Howard, Thibel, Shake. I'm not complaining, but I think we're just missing one more guy. One important piece, and you see Blake Griffin got bought out. He's going. <clears throat> Blake Griffin probably would slot in it well. I mean, I know he's not having a great year, but you can't tell me he's not better than Mike Scott. Maybe he's not. I don't. I don't know. I haven't. I literally cannot lie to you. I have not seen Blake Griffin or the Pistons play other than the game they played the Sixers. And the last thing I remember from Blake Griffin is him putting a 50-burger on her head. And that was a long time ago. So I, I, I totally respect that, but you, you just you, you scour the earth. You, you you leave no stone unturned when you try to find these guys. I've seen a couple of uh, talks about maybe, you know, different trades and whatnot. But we'll get on, I'll get into that a little bit after, you know, let's talk about this Jazz game. An instant regular season classic up there with the the likes of any of the classics. And TJ McConnell hit the the fadeaway when Jimmy Butler hit the buzzer beater against Boston when we finally beat the Celtics. You can just, you know, uh, just regular season games where you just remember. And when people bring it up, you'll instantly think, oh, okay, yeah. Like when Cat and uh, Embiid and Simmons were all fighting. Uh, the, when another jazz game, when Mitchell pushed Embiid and he stood up and started clapping and everything, like it's that's stuff you never forget, even though that he's, you could, you know, all the hardcore, you know, title and, uh, troll Twitter accounts will say, well, it doesn't matter. It's just regular season, whatever, you know, but it's cool. It, it, it does. They, the, all these games do matter cause they, you know, they're not, not for legacy, but, but God damn it. They matter to me. I'll never forget the night. Donovan Mitchell attempted 65 shots from the field and only scored like 30 points. And his Utah Salt Lake City Jazz come up short in overtime, 131 to 123. Where you know where do you even start with this game? Joel Embiid, 40 points, 19 boards, just putting the work on Rudy all night long. Making Rudy look like he shouldn't even be in the same on the same floor as him in the same league. This is the kind of guy who's winning multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, and you got Joel Embiid who is just absolutely going crazy on him. He was getting buckets from wherever he wanted, shooting jumpers, fadeaways, going at the rim, pump fake, go after him. Posting up, backing him down, going right, going left. It did not matter. He ate his lunch, and then he took the money out of Rudy's pocket and said, I'm going to go get some snacks. All right, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go get a snack. I'm going to get a cookie from the lunch lady on your on your fucking dime, Rude. All right, you're paying for it. And then these guys spend all the time complaining after the game. The The Utah Jazz, it should be ashamed. they should be ashamed of themselves. What a joke. What a, what a just, God, what a joke franchise. N- never won anything. Ha- have it like an unbelievable presence on Twitter. All just angry white dudes complaining about fouls and making threads of videos of questionable things. Because you can tell they've like never really played the game of basketball. They just watch it now because they have a couple good guys again. 
you know, they haven't seen the game since Andre Kurylenko was, you know, AK-47 was playing for them. I mean, can you even name Utah Jazz players other than, uh, let's see, I can go through Carlos Boozer, Deron Williams, and that's it. Carl Malone, John Stockton. That's it. And anytime you guys gain any sort of relevance, there's a team like us, a team like Philadelphia, a team like Golden State, a team whatever, they're just going to keep beating you down and you're always just going to be the forgotten part of the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is, uh, how, how do I say this nicely, basically just Hassan Whiteside with more athleticism. And Donovan Mitchell, or I hope you, Rudy Gobert is that. Donovan Mitchell is what? You know, how can I how can I disrespect him? I've heard Karis LeVert. He's closer to Karis LeVert than he is any of the uh, upper echelon. Whatever. Donovan Mitchell's a good player, though. I I don't even want to disrespect him, but he is a chucker. Uh, he he can score, but he you know when you're going when you're going up against Ben Simmons. Tough to score. Luka couldn't score. Donovan couldn't score. And lots of other guys. They're not going to be. They haven't been the first, and they're not going to be the last. Ben Simmons. This is the the Ben Simmons Appreciation Podcast. We are the Ben Simmons Defensive Clampdown Club. We love this shit, and we love Ben. We love it with with all of our heart. We love everything about him. He's so great. I never wanted to trade him. You all are crazy. Nah, but he, I, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding though. He really had, he, he's been fucking just awesome. He's been impressive, man. You got, you got to give credit where it's due. You can't just be a, a, a stand, a sideline hater where even when guys do good, you can't give them their credit. I, I talk about it on, if you listen to the UFC podcast that I did earlier today, you, you know, when you got to talk about guys like Adesanya, who's fighting for the middleweight title, you may not like him. You may not like the way, you know, the stuff that he does and all the memes and he's just not the kind of guy, you know, whatever. But you got to respect the talent. You got to respect what he does on the floor. And that's, that's all you can do. Do not, just don't hate greatness, people. When these guys show you the great things, even if you don't like him, you just got to, you got to just say, hey, man, that's that's pretty cool. That's That's pretty impressive. I personally would not describe myself as a as a Ben Simmons hater. Others may describe me as that. I, I've just you know I'm just credit like I, I've talked about it here multiple times. Just hard on the guy. Want to see him reach his potential? What I think he can be. What he probably what he probably thinks he can be. What he knows he can be. And you know, but there's other people. The other people who I'm talking about who will just you know no matter what he does good. They'll just continue to talk about the bad things that he can't do or doesn't do, and I, you know, I, I personally think that's wrong. Uh, so Ben was awesome in that game. I mean, seventeen, four and six again, like a modest box score. But if you just, you know, if you, like if you just didn't watch the game, you wouldn't think he had a great game. But it's no, it's another great game from Ben Simmons. Awesome on both ends of the floor. Uh, just run like ran the offense. It, it, it seems to me. Whatever Doc has going on or whatever offense we have, maybe it's the addition of Seth Curry and Danny Green and just shooters like that, consistent shooters. But it's just, you know, it seems like he's more confident in, you know, running the offense and being the captain of the of the offense and making sure everyone's in the right spot and getting them the ball when, when they need it and 
I mean, when you have Joel Embiid, when you have the, you know, guys like Seth, I mean, I guess it's easier. Makes makes everyone's job easier. I mean, you, you can't talk about this Jazz game without talking about Tobias Harris closing the whole thing out for us. Uh, I, I was even saying earlier in the game, third quarter, you know, going into the fourth, I was just like, wow, like he looks brutal tonight. A lot of like forcing stuff and just stuff that is, you know, missing open jumpers, just stuff that out of character for Tobias that I'm, you know, it's, he, I mean, he's coming off an injury. I believe he had a knee contusion. So, you know, you got to cut the guy a little bit of credit, but I was just saying, like, you know, man, like, it's what, like, he doesn't look good tonight. We, we need, we need Tobias at, at, at a certain level if this team plans to, you know, reach the lauded goals and the, you know, the aspirations that they plan on reaching. So, you know, you, you notice stuff like that now. I mean, he didn't make, he missed, it was 0 for 3, but at the end of the game, they just gave him the ball. He had a matchup against Bogdanovich, and he was going to work on him. He was having his way, and then they had like Royce O'Neal, like whether it was going to the bucket or just that little fade, that little fadeaway like uh, jumper that he gets like real close. So it's like a easier shot for him, and he's a big guy, so he's able to create some space. And that was awesome to see, man. If that's an option, they're going uh, going to the playoffs and coming on the stretch here, dude. We're like we're pretty deadly, man. We are fucking deadly. And then those guys get themselves, you know, Donovan Mitchell gets himself thrown out. They didn't like the couple of the calls, and I'm not. I won't lie to them. It, it, it was some shady stuff toward there towards the end. But the you can't be the guys like them. Fly, you know. Donovan Mitchell gets every call in the game. He goes to the line as much as anyone else. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know they they have numbers on the who goes to the line. And I'm sure he's up there. I'm sure he's up in, in the, at least the top ten. I if I'm the guy gets calls and the guy gets the line. So. For him to come out and complain and do all this unnecessary drama is a little ridiculous to me. And same thing with Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is not good enough to be complaining about anything and saying that they're getting screwed or whatnot. You got absolutely dominated. You're you don't you, you don't deserve calls when you play the way Rudy Gobert does. And you're just. You know, you you have nothing for the your your counterpart, and you're playing against a great player. That's great and everything, but you can't after the game when the guy drops forty on you. Go, oh well, the refs don't like us because we're Utah. Not fair. Nah, sorry, you got dominated, rude. You you know, take take your L, keep it moving. Seth Curry had a pretty good game, fourteen. Milton twelve. You know, did did his thing off the bench. Uh, you know, another good Dwight Howard game. I thought he brought it. That that I think what really kept the Sixers in that game. There was a little wave. Uh, after, you know, going into the fourth quarter where they had the second unit still on and the Shake and Shake was getting us some buckets and Dwight was a impact player on the defensive end. Uh, he had a couple, he had a steal, he had a block, he had a three ball. Like it, it was, it was pretty awesome to see. And it's just great to have a guy like him who can. You know, give Embiid some some rest. You know, uh, Embiid played 39 minutes and with an overtime, Simmons played 41. No one else came really close. I mean, Tobias had 38, Curry 34, Danny Green's only playing 22, which I kind of like. Let less Danny Green the better. That again is why I think we need another piece. So I mean, I guess now would be the time to probably start talking about that piece that we might need. Uh, there's been really no movement. Uh, on the trade market wise, uh, we talk, I talked about Blake Griffin getting bought out. He's probably going to Brooklyn, is the rumor. But what could the Sixers do? 
hearing teams, you know, or players like Lonzo are available. That's like uh, the pipe dream that some of the hardcore Twitter Sixers fans are, you know, talking about. So, so you know, are these guys real options? What are you willing to pay for a Lonzo Ball, a Kyle Lowry, a Victor Oladipo, a, you know, players of this ilk? What, you know, how much are you just going to wait for the buyout and hope we get lucky and someone wants to come here and they think they can really win a championship here? Or, you know, do you pay the price? Is Maxi too much? Is Thibel too much? Uh, you know, I assume Ben's not going anywhere anymore. It's not, you know, uh, I, we've even talked about it on here. Ben, ben is not tradable unless it's for a high-caliber James Harden-like player. And that was the only reason that I was, you know, clamoring for it and willing to do it at the time was James Harden is James Harden, and he always will be. And if you can get a player like that, you you do that. You go all in. Now, you know, the Sixers right now, it, it's, it's a little shaky to see what, you know, who's going to be available and, well, you know, what, what, what does a deal look like? The Lowry thing... You know, are you giving up Danny Green, Mike Scott, and a couple firsts? Then yes, I'm I'm doing that. Uh, the the Lonzo Ball thing. Are you giving up Maxi and a first? You know, like it's it just it's up to me. I so if you're asking me, I would do the I would do it for probably probably I would do it for Lonzo or Lowry. I would do Maxi and a first, like right away. Or if you want to, you know, make the salaries match, whatever. But like the key, integral parts of the trade being Maxi and a first is like, you know, probably the best low level. Like, I don't know how what else the deal could look like. Two first, the, our first round picks don't really matter in my mind. You know, if you're getting a, a, a quality player, a guy who can, you know, make make an impact. This year on our rotation, because it doesn't seem like Tyrese Maxey is going to be playing, I should I say, important minutes come playoff time. It's probably not going to be a thing. It's probably for our best. You don't want to be counting on a rookie like that. The same way I'm, I don't even want to count on what's his name, uh, uh, Corkmas, Corkmas. You know, you, and Milton's above that now. He's he's. I think he's at least trustworthy to be a solid component of your bench. But you know, even like Corkmaz and guys like that, it's just still a little shaky. I you can't. And there's levels to it because it couldn't. You know, are you do you trust Tyrese Maxey to be you know making him playing big minutes and important minutes? You know, in Brooklyn or playing against the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. I don't. I don't. And uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to trading a guy like Maxi to get a player in here now who can help us this season, even if it's a short-term thing. Because I, I you know, and I think I heard someone else say this this week. Like you can get, like we can get ourselves another Maxi. We can draft another Maxi. We can, we can find another player that is in, in that. In that mold and in that cut, we we you know is Tyrese Maxey gonna really be the thing that holds us back from like make, pushing us over the top and making the making the run for the title now? Is Tyrese Maxey ever going to be 
the the player that leads us to a championship or be like the how long are we going to wait for Tyrese Maxey? Those these are fascinating to me conversations to have about trading young players for older players and you know just the the battle between people who want to hold on to youth and potential as opposed to other people who want to go for it all the time right now and the you know getting older players and it's a battle. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not an easy decision to make, but I just think that the right player and the right the right trade I, could really help this team and push it over the top. I, I think Victor Oladipo would be an incredible addition. That to me seems like the you know like number one like uh, in the realm of possibility sort of guy to you know look for. Other names you might want to, you know, or I've heard or, you know, we, I guess we could consider. Uh, I see PJ Tucker, whether on a buyout or a trade of some sort, it, it won't cost us much, but PJ Tucker to the Sixers, you know, given all the, I guess, ties he has to the organization and to Daryl Morey and whatnot, that, that, that's a thing that doesn't excite me that much. Tim Hardaway Jr., now that's a different story. That's something that excites me and that could be, I, I guess, ex- you know, what would get me going and make me want to give up some. I don't know how much I'd be willing to give up. Any of these guys that we're talking about, I can't imagine that they're that expensive. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., I, I can't, ass- you know, like to me, what is in the, like, not tradable of this team is probably the six guys, six or seven guys that I named for you uh, of the rotation, you know, the, the, and like not Dwight, like, and Dwight Howard's not traded. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to keep your core rotation intact and adding another player in there without losing one of those guys. So pretty much I'm giving up anything uh, without, like, you know, getting jipped for picks. Like, I'm not giving you. You know, Maxi this and that for PJ Tucker or something like that. Uh, within reason, the younger the player, the better the offer. The longer the deal, all that stuff. But you know, another name, Josh Hart. Include you know that's that's part of the Lonzo deal on the same team. But that's a guy I would consider if you can't get you know I, I imagine that he's cheaper than Lonzo would be. That's a guy that I would, you know, love to consider. And, you know, obviously still Kyle Lowry. You're not going to hear much about this until probably right around the deadline. But I, I, I'm, I'm invested, man. I, I think that this is, this is the best, this is the best chance that we as Sixers fans have had at a championship since we, since I can remember, since I've been alive. And uh, the Iverson days, yeah, they were, they were great and they were fun. And I was a young, young wee lad. I'm 25, about to be 26 now. When that was going on, I was, you know, when they went to the finals, I was five years old, six years old, maybe. So, I mean, how much, do, you know, what the fuck do I really know about that? But since I've been a hardcore sports fan, this is the best team we've ever had. Live through right, you know, right on through the... Chris Webber Sixers, Chris Webber uh, Iverson Sixers. That's really when I started to love them, you know, in the good old days. The Iguodala's, all that Elton Brand, the old school Chevy. Lived through it all. This is it. This is the best we've had. If uh, this feels like when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, when they won the Super Bowl, that year we were rolling, and we had the MVP, 
when Carson Wentz, and it just felt like a, it felt different. You can feel the vibe. You can feel the change in, in, in the air. It's like, wow, this team's legit. This team is real. We are going to make a run. We're going to go for it, dude. And that's that's the vibe I'm getting. Uh, it, you know, up until when Carson got hurt, and it, you know, it even like it, it got it was dashed, but it still was like, you know, wow, we lost him, but it's like, you know, what we're still a good team, you know, like you were convincing yourself, you just believed, and that that team is not like any other team. But I'm just saying that vibe up until you know then it was like a feeling like wow, like we're gonna blow this team out, like we we can hang with anyone. We're one of the best teams in the league. And that that's the that's the vibe I get for the Sixers, and you know, I think making a move, man, it's just that's what it, it's the only way. It is the only way, and I, I think they got to do it if they within reason. And we've talked about what within reason is. Just make a move, add a piece, get one, get a piece, and then add someone else in the buyout. If you can, we need to make one trade. I don't know who it's gonna be. I don't know for what. But I just know we got to make a trade and we got to get a piece in here that can help these guys, man, and push us over the top. All-Star game is this weekend. There's not going to be any not going to be any games until I record another podcast. So, you know, next week we'll probably discuss the the All-Star break and see if there's any moves that have been made or you know, the All-Star game is going to be interesting this year. They, you know, did the draft last night or yeah, last night and the game is on Sunday. They're doing the first half, and then they're going to have the dunk contest, the skills competition, and the three-point competition uh, all throughout the night. I think one's before the game, two are during halftime, or all three are during halftime, and whatever. All I hope for the All-Star game is that both Joel and Ben get out of there without being injured. I hope, you know, since Doc, I believe, is the coach, that... No, you know, he takes care of our guys, get them out of, get them in, get them out of there, play, plays a bonus the whole 40 minutes because who gives a shit what happens to him. Great player, though. And, you know, keep it moving. Uh, will I watch the All-Star game? Probably. I mean, it's a Sunday in, in March. There's not much to watch, no football. And uh, I don't watch any TV anymore. Uh, I'm all in on sports and uh, whatnot. And I'll, I'll probably be... Recovering from a celebration that I'm going to have watching the uh, the UFC this weekend. So the All Star Game is never the NBA All Star Game is never really something that I watch until maybe the last five minutes, and uh, you know, or if I've uh, if I'm having a couple of uh, Miller Lights, which my sponsor Miller Light has brought to my house for free and given me for free, so. Uh, you know the the All Star game. The, the All Star games are kind of trash anyway. They, they're just for show. They're I feel like they're more for kids and you know corporate partners and stuff like that. It's not really for hardcore fans. It's just for the you know for the show and pageantry of of what that sport represents. The the dunking and like that. The NFL is a joke. MLB All Star game is actually pretty fun. That's uh, you know I it at least means a little bit, but it's. <clears throat> Fun to watch. It's enjoyable. It's a little, at least a little bit competitive. The NHL, they're like you know playing uh, table hockey and flipping coins and drinking beer out there and playing three on three, scoring thousand goals. It's such a joke. It's such a sham to the game, in my opinion. But moving on, anyway, uh, I'll do a little birds talk real quick. Who, who, you know, what the the, the thought process is processes as I said earlier on are amongst people thinking like what the uh, Eagles are going to draft I 
recently talked to a dude on Twitter, you know, very respectful conversation about how he does the he 100% believes the Eagles should not be drafting a quarterback. I, on the other hand, don't think it's as a, a lock. Like I would not be mad if the Eagles selected a quarterback. I just, you know, I, I I'm not against like I I just don't have like a thought on it right now. I'm not against them giving Jalen Hurts a chance and building around them, but I'm also not going to hold it against them if they think that there's a quarterback in this draft that is like so can't miss that they need to get him and they're going to like they're going to build on him now and they can do whatever with Jalen leave him as the back like if they really believe that that's fine but you can't you know can't be wrong whatever I'm not I don't have a like a like a leaning either way cuz I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts guy I do believe that they should give him a chance cuz he I think he showed enough in those four games that merits a a chance to become the franchise quarterback and a chance to become the long-term starter. But I also don't think that you pass up or, you know, do, don't, you know, don't get a franchise quarterback if you think you're, you know, passing up on one. But you also don't pick a quarterback in the second round if you don't think he's going to be a great player either. So with the Eagles, there's always going to be a lot of, uh, conversation and bickering going back and forth about this draft and uh you know i think that's basically due to the fact that the the guy who's making the decision you know there's a lot of vitriol and anger around the eagles purely based on the fact that hallie roseman's still involved and he's the one scout you know making the decision on this and uh, as an eagles fan i'm not gonna lie to you that's horrifying i'm horrified that hallie roseman is making the decisions for my team, and although he did, you know, he gets a lot of shit, and he did blow this Super Bowl team up. He stripped it down, and he is put us, he is 100% the reason why we're in the situation we are in today. But he also did build that Super Bowl team, and he maybe, you know, you can say what you want, he you know, holdovers from Chip, whatever, but, you know, he got a Super Bowl ring, and he, God, I, I hurts even trying to give him any credit. Yeah, he did, but he blew it the fuck up and he ran us into the ground. He still has his, he still has his job. I feel like that Howie Roseman's a guy who should just get a chance somewhere else. Let them, let them figure it out. I mean, they, they. Eh, God, I'm gonna go into a whole fire dump here. Like, they're not doing the whole off season over again. Don't want to do that. But, you know, who do you pick? I, I'm, my rankings right now are kind of uh, Jamar Chase. I would love Penny Sewell if he fell to six. Devontae Smith scares me, the size situation, but uh, it doesn't scare me that much because I saw the guy play. And I saw the guy play against the very best that college football had to offer, and he dominated every time he played, no matter who he played, whether it was against my Irish and, you know, or, or against the Ohio State Buckeyes, who they blew out as well. Who, you know, do they deserve to get into the playoff? Clemson got blown out. Do they deserve it? You keep disrespecting the Irish because you're jealous, you haters. You wish you were us. You wish you were on NBC every Saturday. You wish you had this rich tradition. All you haters disgust me. You make me sick. Not against picking Kyle Pitts. I I think Kyle Pitts is is a, it could be a great player and a superb athlete, basically a big wide receiver playing tight end. 
you know, maybe not at six, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's too high for some people, but a weapon is a weapon, whether he's playing tight end or he's playing wide receiver. It all depends on what you think could be the bigger weapon. Do you think Jamar chases everything they say he's going to be, or, you know, do you believe in Jalen Waddle? Do you think he's a great player or do you go Devontae Smith? Do you go Heisman? Do you, you know, we're like, well, got to make it's a tough. I don't think you can go wrong with where the Eagles are. But I see a lot of like, no way, no, we're not picking him. No, we're not picking him. We're not picking, like, there's a lot of just like shooting down and a lot of like, I, I think the Eagles fans should maintain an open mind and just try to look, view the whole playing field and just be, I, I basically just be a little more open minded. I think there's a lot of great players in this draft and I don't think that it's just Smith or Chase or Bust or, you know, t- a, you know, just build around Hurts or or get a quarterback. We need a quarterback. Like it's not one of those things. It's there's not one right thing to do here, and there's a lot of great players in this draft. And I just want the Eagles to assess everything. And I don't want to hear the excuses anymore. Of we were building the team because this is what Carson wanted. This is what excuse me. This is what Doug wanted. This is what this guy wanted. This is what that guy wanted. I just want them to build a winning football team again, and I want I want us to stop being a laughing stock across the league. I think next year is going to be tough, but I do think that the Eagles are setting themselves up to be great again in 2022, or be at least be a competitive football team in 2022. Jason Kelsey coming back again this year for another year, restructuring of a contract for BG. And I believe Darius Slay, which saved the team around $9 million, if I am not mistaken. I don't know if that number is correct or not. I thought I saw it on Twitter. So there's a 50% chance of it being true. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like they're going to go uh, strip this thing down. It's not going to be a full sell the team off and get picks for everyone, and we're not going to be this young uh, dumpster fire next year with Sirianni who has no control over what's going on. We're going to have a lot of the veterans. We're going to have a lot of the old guard will be back, hoping that guys like Jason Peters who can't stop talking just go away. And I hope we can, you know, move into a new era and just eventually, you know, these old guys will still be here, but, you know, maybe they can help mentor and get ready for the, the new wave of Eagles talent. I, I just am trying to remain a little optimistic. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm a very, ne- uh, by nature, uh, negative guy when it comes to the Eagles and just sports in general and probably life, but I try to, when I can, maintain a little bit of positivity and hope for my for my teams. And let's hope that the Eagles get themselves on the right path. A little bit of Phil's talk. Phil's starting off spring training. Uh, just some things I saw. We're mashed, absolutely mashing the ball. Reese Hoskins made his first comeback from Tommy John. He... Uh, he was a DH, even though there is no DH this year. There is in the Grapefruit League. I think it's just a way for them to get more at-bats for guys because no one wants to see the pitchers hit during the – no one wants to see pitchers hit at all, so I don't know why they don't just go DH for both leagues all year round, but I guess that's the, a little bit of old-school baseball. Uh, You know, 
uh, like I've said, I'll, I'll continue to say on this podcast, not, you know, nothing really gets me excited about dudes in Florida playing baseball in March. Uh, I, you know, I, I like to just see like, okay, what are we looking at? You know, what kind of guys are we looking for? There's you know, always like a couple like positions that, you know, like this year's center field is the, the questionable one. Cause there's a lot of guys that are battling for that center field spot. The start opening day, uh, O'Doubles hitting home runs and and hit, and playing well, of course, uh, which I talked about is like the biggest fear for the Phils and Major League Baseball, mainly the Phillies. And the Phillies are, you know, all these players have to sit there and answer questions about whether they agree with O'Double beating his girlfriend or not. And obviously they don't, but it's just they're putting everyone in bad situations. It's just uh, it's just an awful situation. I'm really hoping that someone else gets that job, man. But, uh, you know, he's hitting the ball. Oduble looks like Oduble always has. He's always been a possible, yeah, like, always had a spark of being a great baseball player, but it's never been able to be replicated for long periods of time. It's usually month of a, you know, eight, seven month season or however long a baseball season is. He goes off for one month. And he'll be hitting 360, say. Or, you know, like he, he goes off his 340, 350. And then for the rest of the year, yeah, his whole... At, by the end of the year, his, his season's batting average is like 240, 250. Like, he is such a short stint baseball player. Uh, you know, it's not worth it for the Phils to be doing this and going through the whole thing. But th- with MLB's rules... Of not being able to cut them and not like just being able to get cut ties and be be rid of them without there being penalties, whether contractually or you know through the league or through the players' association, they're forced to go through this whole straight and bring bring a guy like Oduble in the camp and have to deal with the the drama and the just the sideshow of it all. Like I said, I hope guys like like I'm really like I, I, Mickey Moniak. I, I it's great to see a former number one pick for the Phils out of California. Picked him in high school, and he's been just battling his way and just having you know year after year bad years and just you know getting disrespected, saying that he's gonna be a bust. Guys like me saying, "What the hell happened to him? Where have you been, Mick?" And then Mick comes out and hits a home run. I think he had two home runs yesterday or in that Yankee game that I talk about. Because, I mean, spring uh, the they, the games just did to start getting started. So, you know, and like, like embrace hit a home run in his first out. I mean, who did hit a home run yesterday especially? And he hit one today, I think, is the fifth. Yeah. yeah, I think he hit one today. So not much to get, you know, right home about or get too excited about when it comes to spring training baseball. But, you know, at, it is important to just, you know, figure out what's going on. Adam Hazley... Pulled his groin. He's going to be out four weeks. Uh, we still good dealing with the JT Romuto with the uh, broken thumb. I believe other than that, everyone's pretty healthy. Couple, you know, Eflin had a good uh, start to the spring. Uh, little good performances from Matt Joyce. You know, there's like a, it seems like there's a lot of good uh, possible outfielders. Going, you know, battling for you know they still got Roman Quinn somewhere in the situation out there. So I'm uh, just you know, and in typical fashion, the closer that uh, March gets to ending, is the you know more excited I'll become about baseball, and 
uh, start ramping up the talk on here, you know, like I, I, I love the fills and I love baseball and uh, I will, you know, believe me, we, we, we won't stop talking about it on here and I, I'll be doing breakdowns. I'll be doing stuff on YouTube. I'll be doing all sorts of, all sorts of things. So I hope you guys stick with me and, uh, you know, continue to enjoy the content. I, I hope, uh, the wait wasn't too long and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was was gonna. I talked a little bit about the Flyers, but the Flyers came back last night four three after going down the the Claude Giroux, who's the most disrespected player in the city. You know, and I, I'm one of the people who disrespect him. Uh, I finally had a good game, uh, but that doesn't mean anything to me <clears throat> again because it's not in the playoffs. And I, I probably am becoming that old man, that guy. But it's just like that's cool. Uh, I know he's been a great player. He'll go down as one of the greatest Flyers of all time. But there's a certain point where we need you to step up in the big moments. And last year in the playoffs, and it seems like it's been a trending thing where Claude Giroux doesn't show up when we need him. Last night he did. But, you know, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he goes missing on a milk carton. And that's not fun. So, that's, I mean, Flyers is another situation where... Want to see it in the playoffs. Want to see Carter Hart play at a more consistently good level. And I want you that if you want to get educated, good hockey takes to go somewhere else. Because I hear people talk about hockey and they are much smarter than me about it. Other other sports, not so much. Uh, I, I, you know, I think maybe the people are smarter than me, but I think I can hold my own. Hockey, I, I can... Uh, I'm, I can hold my own for a couple of minutes, maybe, but after you you go a little f- further in the play, you know, I I just don't watch enough of the Flyers games to really have a strong, thorough opinion on it. So that's as far as the Flyers conversation as you're going to get on here. I'll have a puckhead on here one time to, you know, talk about dumping and chasing and uh, forechecking. Uh, so that's about it, folks. I, I want to thank you for joining me and thank you for sticking with me. This is the Hot Take Hotbox, Matt McSweeney. You have a great day.